Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. Well, as I'm speaking to you today, Christmas has come, and Jesus, our Emmanuel, is born at last. But what does having God with us actually mean for you and me as we move forward with our lives in a brand new year? Wrapping up our Advent Christmas sermon series we've been calling Reclaiming Christmas, and based on Isaiah 52, verses 7 through 10, and John 1, verses 1 through 14, here's the message entitled, Reclaiming Emmanuel. Well, granted, it's not a verse that you are going to be likely finding on a holiday card of any type. But for me, it is about an appropriate greeting as any I can think of, and it comes to us courtesy of the prophet Isaiah from our text this morning. Break forth together into singing, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people He has redeemed Israel. Loosely translated, divine comfort amid the rock and rubble of life. Gotta say, in a nutshell, that's not a bad way to start off a brand new year, is it? Now, this particular quote wasn't written specifically for the holidays, but for some reason, this time of year, I am always drawn back to a piece I read some years ago by Garrison Keeler, of Prairie Home Companion fame. And it was a piece he wrote about the meaning of life. I think every writer, sooner or later, decides that they've got to write a piece about the meaning of life, and Keeler did just that. Uh, but specifically, he wrote about the great importance of faith in the midst of life. And he wrote this, What else will do except faith in such a cynical, corrupt time? When the country goes temporarily to the dogs, cats must learn to be circumspect. (laughs) To walk on fences and to sleep in trees and have faith that all this woofing they're hearing is not the last word. (laughs) I love that. And in a strange sort of way, it does kind of sum up the hope that is ours in Christmas, doesn't it? After all, we all understand the contradictions that are inherent in the ways we celebrate the season, in the songs that we sing, and in the ways we worship together. We are here very much aware that it's love and joy that we are proclaiming, and gladly so. But we are also aware that of the anger and the injustice that is prevalent in the world, that we see all around us all the time. Even as over these past few weeks we've been singing all these great songs of peace on earth and goodwill amongst all people, we do know in our hearts that there is much in our world that needs to be set right. And quite honestly, now as Christmas Eve becomes Christmas Day, becomes Christmas Tide, and becomes New Year's Day, a new year that begins much like the old one, even the most faithful among us 
cannot help but wonder if a tiny, helpless, crying infant can really be a catalyst for all that change. And yet we also know this is center of all that we proclaim. It is precisely because of that tiny, helpless, crying infant that we do hope. You see, in the birth of Jesus, who is our Emmanuel, we live unto the promise that by God's loving intention for us in the world, things will be set right. Things will be set right. And there will be comfort to be found amongst the ruins. And that all the injustice that we see all around us is not the last word. We come here this morning to, as one translation puts it, to erupt in joyful song, giving thanks not only for the love that we have already experienced at the manger, but also, and this is key, renewing ourselves for divine love that is yet to be. It's what the late Halford Luckup, he was a a renowned writer, professor, preacher of the Methodist tradition back in the mid-20th century. It's what Halford Luckett referred to when he said that Christmas is music in the key of hope. (laughs) I love that, too. What Luckett meant by that is that while so often during the season we become focused on the past, the truth is that Christmas is really all about the future. It's all about what happens after December 25th. It's about a bright future that God himself is even now fashioning. A future he's fashioning for you and for me and for all of God's people. Ultimately, Christmas is about much more than a single day of celebration. It is more than a blessed season of the year. It is more than something we spend weeks getting ready for and and a week or two getting over. It's much more than that. It's all about how our Lord intends for the world and our lives to be. Girded and balanced and guided forward in a faithful relationship with him. Christmas, you see, is all about how God is aware of our great need for that relationship. How through Jesus Christ, God actively works to redeem his people. How God is setting things right in anticipation of that time when all the blessings we espouse in this season, the the lights of the candle, hope and, and peace and joy and love, how all of those things will become realities in and through every season of our lives and living. In, in other words, friends, through, though every year we come together to tell this old familiar story of something that transpired 2,000 years ago in some little backwater town called Bethlehem, Christmas, that is true Christmas, it is a story that's still un. Unfolding. Right now, it's still unfolding.
I've often thought, in fact, and I'm going to borrow a phrase from uh, the late Frederick Beatner here, that Christmas is really for those people who are standing on tiptoes. The ones who, having already received the Savior's present and love, now are straining to look just beyond the next horizon to see what's coming next in joyful anticipation of what God's going to be doing in our lives. Because you know what? When you have a God who is ever and always with us, when we have a God who comes to us in the guise of a tiny child who's named Jesus, whose name means God is with us, when you have that, amazing things are bound to happen. Actually, you know what? As I think again on the story of the nativity, I wonder if it wasn't the shepherds who understood that the most. And why it was that the shepherds ran with such reckless abandon away from their flocks so that they could see this child for themselves, this child that angels had told them about. They did this because somehow, intrinsically, the shepherds knew who this child was. They understood, maybe not even in words, but they understood what this child represented. So they had to go and see for themselves. You see, any good shepherd knows that if you're going to take care of a sheep, you've got to learn to think like that sheep, right? You've got to know what the sheep are, will do when they're hungry or they're tired or scared or, or sick. You've got to understand how the sheep are going to react when a storm comes or, and what their instincts are when they get lost or injured. They get how those sheep are going to respond to a stranger and most especially how they will react to a predator. A good shepherd knows these things because he thinks like a sheep. For that matter, let's use another analogy. Talk to a parent sometime. Fathers, yes, but yeah, especially mothers. Whatever's happening, somehow they just seem to understand what's going on with their kids. Got to tell you, over the years when Lisa and I were raising our kids, I always liked to think I did pretty well in that regard, that I could read my children fairly well. But truthfully, all these years later, I guess I should confess that there were moments when I was patently clueless <laughs> as to the many dramas that were going on in our house. But Lisa, oh, Lisa! could spot something wrong with our kids from a mile away. She still can. And so often was the case that it has taken me a while to catch up. And she could do that, you see, because she knew, she knows our children from the inside. You see, a good and loving parent understands, a good and loving grandparent understands, you know, Let's, not, let's be clear here. It doesn't mean they have all the answers. Trust me, I'm the poster child for not having all the answers. But they do understand, don't they? 
and they will do everything they can, everything in their power to set right whatever needs to be set right because they know and they understand those children. They know what they need and they know at least how to start getting that for them. Well, the shepherds understood that. They understood that from from abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. They knew that's how it goes. And therein lies the glory of Christmas. That if you're going to set things right in a hurting, crying, alienated, divided world, you're going to have to start, you see, from the inside. You've got to truly know the ones that you come to save. And that, beloved, is what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That is why his name is Emmanuel. Now, in terms of history or prophecy, God could have come to us as a conquering hero, as a Messiah born to earth on a golden throne. Actually, in all truth, that's what the people of the time were expecting. You, you look all through Isaiah, and you, in, in Isaiah 9, you, you get this reference to a mighty ruler who will sit on the throne of King David. God could have also come to earth in a place of power, born of a family of privilege and wealth. Our history is littered with leaders who did not necessarily earn that, but did it as a legacy, who were people born of privilege and thus were given the power to rule. But that's not how God comes to us either. God comes to us amidst the very ruins of our lives and living. God comes to us inside of our hardest struggles. He comes to us and meets us within our deepest fear. I never really thought much about this before, but I'm thinking these days that that is why the stable was the perfect birthplace for Jesus. It was cold and damp and dark. It smelled. There were the sounds of barnyard animals all around. And it just seemed devoid of anything comfortable or good or well-lit. It was the pure embodiment, you see, of our own darkness. The literal muck and mire of the life in which we live and struggle. In Jesus born in Bethlehem, and we heard this in the text from John today, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The eternal God has entered into human life to make himself known to us and to work for our good, to bring light into that darkness. And even now, even in this new year, in the person of Jesus Christ, God is with us in a real and personal way. And he's with us to set things right, to truly deliver us from all evils without and from within. Guiding and helping us along the way, bringing us to everlasting life. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And to reclaim Emmanuel, you see, is not only the way to reclaim Christmas, 
but it is to reclaim as our own, yours and mine, the salvation of our God. Well, friends, I'm here to tell you that Christmas isn't over yet. <laughs> there are still some songs to sing. There's still some celebrating to be done. And moreover, it's a brand new year as of today. It's full of hope and possibility. So what better time than right now to join with faithful people everywhere, bursting into songs of joy together, and to pray, reaffirming our sure and certain hope that has its source in a beautiful baby who is wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. We've been doing this these past weeks. We're doing it now, knowing that there is a whole lot in this world that needs changing, that needs fixing. And we do it confessing that there is so much within you and within me that fails to live out the blessings of Christmas that we are proclaiming. But we do sing. We sing with joy. And we do it because we know that the true glory of Christmas is that God, our Emmanuel, knows us from the inside. Whatever fears we have, whatever confessions we make, whatever hopes and dreams, God already knows. And even now, God is working to heal this hurting world we're in by changing hearts, by redirecting lives. Good news of a great joy and most certainly the greatest blessing of 2023 and every day that comes. My dear, dear friends, my prayer for you is that your hearts be filled with great joy in this Christmas time. May each one of you know for yourselves that great and graceful love that has come to us in Jesus Christ. And most of all, I pray that it will direct you in amazing ways in 2023. And whatever comes, whatever comes, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled Reclaiming Emmanuel recorded during our January the 1st, 2023 service of worship at East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, where, by the way, as this new year begins, we invite you to join us in person for worship each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, which is just off Etzkin 16 of I-93 in Concord. I would love the opportunity to welcome you to our church, and I know you'll be glad you came. And that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast, our first for the new year. I thank you for listening today. And until next time, Happy New Year. And may God bless you with a great day every day. Talk to you soon.